Hey everyone, this is Kyle Maddox, your host for the Life and Ministry Podcast. A podcast where we strive to give you the tools to help you become all that God has called you to be, and most of all, to help you balance life and ministry. We would love to hear from you if there's a subject that you would like us to cover or any questions pertaining to life or ministry. We would love for you to email them to us at lifeandministry777 at gmail.com or by sending us a direct message on our Life and Ministry Facebook page. We do pray that this podcast blesses you today and most of all sheds new light in what God has called you to do. What do you say? Let's dive into this podcast. We pray you all have a great day. Welcome to Life and Ministry. I'm your host, Kyle Maddox, and I'm so thankful to be joining you tonight. And we are so incredibly blessed to be joining you live and also as a pre-recorded session of our Life and Ministry live session that we've had with Bishop Mark Morgan. We're so thankful to be joining you today, and we are tremendously blessed to have Bishop Morgan with us. And Bishop Morgan, I'm so thankful um, for you and your ministry. And what um, I would like you to begin tonight with is to greet our audience. And again, we have pastors, ministers, leaders um, joining us live here, but also that will be watching this at a later time. And I would just like you to greet our audience and then give your support on what we're doing here at Life and Ministry. But we're so thankful to have you, Bishop Morgan. Well, thank you, sir. It's good to be on here. And we're excited about everyone that's joined with us tonight. So hopefully it'll be well worth your while. I always say that uh, time is the coin of life. Don't let a fool spend it for you. So hopefully it'll be a good investment and uh, we're excited about the subject. And uh, so, yeah, we want to greet everybody that's on here and thank you for having us. It's an honor to be here. Well, Bishop Morgan, again, thank you so much for taking time. You're a busy man. You could be doing a lot better things, um, but I'm so thankful for you joining us to just impart into us. And uh, we're just so honored uh, to have you joining us tonight. Um, but we're also so, just so thankful uh, for, for what God's done in your life, Bishop. And I know I'm, you're going to get into it, but what God has uh, delivered you from, and it's something that we battle with. All of us that are probably on this call has dealt with it at some point. But also, um, we're just so thankful for God's delivering power if we let him do it. Um, and so, Bishop, what I'd like you to do is just open up your heart, as I shared uh, before this call. Just take your liberty, be as real as you want, and uh, we're just looking forward to what you're going to share with us tonight. But thank you so much, again, for being with us. Well, it's an honor to be on here, and I really appreciate what you're doing. I think these are uh, beneficial and necessary, and thank God for this technology. Yes. Uh, when I started out ministry and a lot younger, of course, you know, what we had was cassette tapes. <laughs> and so how, how much we've advanced, but I appreciate what you're doing and I encourage you to keep doing it. Amen. Thank you, Bishop. Uh, well, I guess the best place to start tonight on the subject of uh, dealing with fear, basically, and uh, just give you a little history. I don't want to bore you with anything here, but uh, I think Brother Harmon could tell you that you know, as a younger man, I was pretty kind of happy-go-lucky, just, you know, life's great, and and uh, just running, I mean, running like a madman, and uh, what I didn't know was, is that I wasn't honoring the first thing that God called holy, which was the Sabbath, and so, you know, and if we don't honor what God has decreed, then we find ourselves sometimes paying the 
the price for it. And so just running a lot, just, you know, was a very, uh, I don't know how to say it, just kind of a heady, you know, you're in demand, you know, you're flying all over. And so, and God's been very good to me and I appreciate every open door and opportunity to minister. But in 2001, we went to the Philippines for the Crusades. We come back. And uh, now, later, brother, uh, well, let me just put this in here. Something I feel immediately is when we went to the Philippines, of course, the Muslims were bombing. Even in Manila, there were bombs going off. And so there was consideration for us just to cancel them. And so we decided to go ahead and go. And then we were in Manila. We were at Laneta Park, open air, thousands of people there. So I got up that night because of a dream that God gave me and just kind of openly served notice on that Islamic spirit of fear. And that's what it is. It's the spirit of fear that uh, we weren't going to give the Philippines to it. We weren't going to give the next generation. So. Well, you know, Brother Mallory kind of, my God, man, <laughs> we're out in an open air deal. I said, well, Brother Mallory, that's exactly what that spirit wants to do is wants to intimidate us and strike fear in our hearts. So coming back, uh, of course, you know, you're tired, you're weary. And so, you know, you're jet lagged. So we got back and uh, I was invited to go with Brother Randy Keys to hear his brother preach in Manteca, California. We were living in Manteca at the time. And so I, I agreed to go and I told my wife, I'm going to go in there and lay down and, and uh, rest a little bit, wake me up. Well, man, I went in and lay down. And when I did, next thing I knew, man, the, it felt like that room was caving in on me. And uh, what I didn't know was I was having a panic attack. And so uh, I, I run outside trying to just, you know, and I couldn't breathe and all that crazy stuff that goes with it. And so, uh, I went ahead and went that night, felt a little better. And then I was in revival with brother Kenneth Haney. And so on, I think it was February the 11th. If I remember the exact date, 2001, it's on a Sunday night, it hit again, right in the middle of church. So I slipped off the platform, went in the back and was back there praying. And finally, Brother Haney had to send somebody out back there to get me. So, you know, I preached, felt a little better after service. And then Monday morning, I woke up to what I would describe as a, a living hell. I mean, it was just dark. Uh, you know, I, di I didn't know. Of course, you know, with me, everything I want to do is blame it on the devil, you know. So I'm rebuking it and and just really going after it, you know. And but I will tell you, it was it was bad enough that I've spent uh, several days where I'd pray and just walk in the backyard or in the neighborhood for six seven hours a day, just trying to escape it. I did know that I was only adding to it, making it worse, and I had to learn that lesson. So. So when I talk about the subject of fear, it's something that I've been very close to and have experienced a lot of it. So I was then a few weeks later, I finally went to a doctor. He diagnosed me with the pan or acute panic and anxiety disorder. 
And he told me, he said, you will feel like you're going to die about a hundred times a day. It'll feel real. And so that began a journey. And, uh, you know, it was a process of time dealing with it. But, uh, you know, and there's things that God gave me along the way that helped me to survive. And there was some key people in my life at that time, uh, probably one of the most important people in my life at that moment. And Brother Harmon knew her was a woman by the name of Marilyn Chenault. I talk, I talk a lot about Sister Chenault. She's dead and gone now, but she was just a, an incredible godly prophetess. And uh, she could hear from God with things so accurate. It would almost stagger you sometimes the clarity that she would have of things that God had shown her. I can't even count on one hand the times that she's called me and pretty well saved me from doing something really stupid. And so I valued a lot. And so she was helping navigate me through this. And uh, she said, uh, she called before it happened and said, I see a thick cloud of darkness coming your way. And uh, it's going to last a while. You're going to despair of life, but you will get through it. And so she would remind me of that every once in a while. And uh, then she's the one that kind of helped me rearrange my view of prayer. So, I, and I kept pressing her about how she learned to pray. And finally, she broke down and told me. But then she told me, she said, you know, instead of, she said, what most apostolics know about is spiritual warfare. And she said, that's the way most people pray. They're battling something. They're fighting something. She said, with your panic and anxiety, she said, you're feeding it. And she said, you've, you've got to learn how to pray different. And I said, okay, how's that? She said, well, from now on, for the next while, she said, I want you to get up every morning, and I don't, I don't, I don't want you praying like you normally do. I just want you reading the word. And she said, you need to learn how to let the word work. And then she told me, she said, you know, uh, she, she opened up about how she learned how to pray with a story about the Lord. She lived out in the country, Brother Chenault had taken a job in town. She's out there by herself. She got lonely. She's at the kitchen sink. This is years ago when they had the old hand well pumps. She said, I said, Lord, I'm so lonely if you just send somebody to talk to me. And so she said in a few minutes, she heard footsteps coming down the hallway where she thought Brother Chenault had come home early. Well, it wasn't him. It was the Lord. And she said, I turned to greet Brother Chenault. She said, there was nobody actually there, but the footsteps kept coming in. And she said, that's when I watched one of the kitchen table chairs pull back. I watched the cushion indent. And she said, I heard Jesus say, sit down, Marilyn. I get lonely to talk to people too. Let's talk. And she said, now, Brother Morgan, she said, I sat there for over two hours that day and learned that Jesus wanted to be my friend. And she said, and since then, every day, my friend shows up and he and I have a conversation. She said, that's prayer. She said, that really is prayer, is just learning how to have that conversation and learning how to let him speak back to you. And so that really helped me a lot in prayer. And she told me, she said, now you're going to feel about half backslid when this happens, the way you're going to change your prayer. And I did, you know, cause I'm used to 
You know, and she told me, she said, I can sit over in that little rocking chair in the corner of my bedroom and get more done just talking to my friend than you guys can get beating the air. And so it really helped me to change some things about it. Uh, but one of the one of the greatest things that God showed me during this time deal, and I'm telling you, it got it got really dark. And uh, you know, of course, the enemy, she told me, she said, You will meet Satan. She said, You will come face to face with Satan. And and I did. Uh, we drove by the old house the other day. We were over there doing a funeral. And I could take you to that back bedroom where uh, he walked into that room with me curled up in a fetal position in the bed, literally praying to die. I was begging God to take me. And uh, so uh, I asked people, if, if the devil would come into a room with you, what would you feel? Most people say violence, darkness, evil. I said, no, hopelessness. Because he's bound to it. He can't come out of it. He's hopeless. And that's what he wants to trap us in. We can sit in it, but he wants to trap us in it. And so he come in the room that day, and I mean, it was, it was just a weird deal. Then a few days later after that, I, I sitting on the side of the bed, I got up sitting on the side of the bed and the Lord dealt with me and said, you know, before Satan could get to Job, he had to have permission. Well, to be honest with you, kind of irritated me because I'm like, well, I know that, you know, I mean, you know, you're finally talking to me and this is all I'm getting. And so he said, well, no, there's more that I want to show you. And he said, I want you to show me in that story that once I gave the devil permission that he went and bragged about it or warned Job. I said, and I said well, he didn't. And that's when the Lord really helped me to understand a, a, a weapon against fear. Is he said, if the enemy is telling you or bragging to you about something he's going to do, then that means he doesn't have permission to do it. I don't, I don't give him permission to come warn you. If I give him permission, it's done. So whatever it is he's telling you, whatever it is he's been feeding into your mind, I'm telling you he doesn't have permission to do it. And so it gave me something that I could really begin to kind of combat. Because really, I mean, when you're dealing with fear, it's, uh, well, this is the way I say it. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Fear comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the devil. And so it's thoughts, it's things that he puts in your mind that's contrary to the word of God. And uh, that's, you know, that's, that's how he works. I've been teaching a lot here lately about kingdoms, and then I've been talking about the weapons of a kingdom. I said, well, in the kingdom of God, the weapon is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. But, I said, but every kingdom has the same weapon. It's a sword. It's word. The enemy has the, a sword. Now, I mean, you know, it's not sharpening a two-edged sword, but he does have words, and that's his weapon. And so we have to learn that's his greatest weapon is to put thoughts into our mind and to feed into our mind things that all of a sudden we begin through a lie to experience emotional stuff. Like, uh, you know, some of the things I had to battle was you're, you're going to die. You're going to die of cancer. Well, Manny and I'm ready to plan my funeral. I'm, I got cancer. 
uh, you're going to die of a heart attack. You know, okay, well, all right, I'm this, yeah, this is the day I'm going to have chest pains. I mean, he just kept feeding me all this stuff. And then that day when God showed me that, I mean, my family thought I'd flip my lid because I just went to screaming, okay, if you're going to kill me, get in here and do it. Quit bragging about it and get it done. Well, that gave me a real handle on it and how to work against it. Because I'm going to tell you, what you have to learn is your emotions will lie to you. I mean, there you can't trust your emotions. Now, with apostolic Pentecostal people, that's a hard one for us to accept because we are so emotional that we feel things. Well, you know, uh, Jesus didn't use he used the he used the sword in the temptation, not his feelings, not what he was going on with his own vision or his, what he was seeing, but he used the word of God against it. And so I had to learn how when these thoughts started coming in is to, okay, you know, I, I recognize where this is coming from. And uh, now it was a battle. It took me a while. And, you know, I still have bouts where it wants to try to come back. And uh, normally after I have maybe a little bout with something physical and which has kind of, kind of been an ongoing deal the last few years, but He'll try to come in with, you know, well, you know, you're, you're done. Your health's over. You're, you know, you're going to die. You're, you're through. And, uh, but thank God for the word of God and thank God for people that are sensitive to the Holy ghost. And, you know, one of them called me the other day and said, you know, you need to quit looking for a grave and start looking for the rapture. God's not near done with you. So I thank God for the word that I learned how to use it and battle against it. And the other thing is I thank God for a support and people around me that were sensitive. They could call with the word fitly spoken and help me deal with some things. Uh, one of the things that helped me a lot was, is I kept thinking that uh, this cup, this cup of suffering is an endless bottomless cup. And, you know, it's refillable. It's just going to keep coming. I'll never get out of this. I'll never escape this. I'll never get past this. You know, I'm always going to have to deal with this. And uh, so the Lord dealt me that morning at the kitchen sink. I had a glass of water and he said, how many ounces will this cup hold? I said, I don't know, six, eight ounces, maybe. He said, that's all it's designed to hold. That's all it can hold. And he said, I have measured every man's cup of suffering. This is the ounces. This is the measure of it. Don't drink half of it. Drink all of it. If you drink half of it, you'll be a bitter human being. But, and then God had to teach me that he wanted to break my will, but not my spirit. And so just a lot of things were happening during that. But he spoke to me that day and he said, this cup of suffering that you're going through now is not going to be forever. I measured it. I know what's in it. So a few days later, I was at a missions conference in Modesto and Sister Vesta Mangan was speaking and she whirled around on me and, you know, Brother Mark, I want to tell you. She said, Isaiah chapter, whatever, 50 something. And the cup of trembling, I will take out of your hand and you will drink it no more. So God was giving me some peace because I think what fear really troubles is your peace. It moves you from just being at peace with God and understanding his true nature to where it's like, a, you know, it's like if peace is in your life, it's like a still pond, a still body of water. But fear comes along, it's like somebody chunking a rock or a stone in it, and it troubles it. Well, you have to learn how to kind of navigate through that and try to bring peace back into it by saying, okay, 
you're not going to do this. You're lying to me. I'm, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to be fine. And I mean, boy, he can attack you with everything. Another thing that I learned about dealing with fear and anxiety and all that stuff is you have to go straight at it. I mean, you can't, in other words, if the enemy says, you know, if you get on that plane, you're going to die. Uh, okay. Then I'm just going to go get on the plane, you know, but a lot of times we don't do that. It causes us to retreat. It puts us over in turmoil. Uh, you know, fear hath torment. So we become tormented and we live in what I call the land of what ifs. What if this happens? What if this happens? Well, you know what? If it does, it does. What can you do about it? But so I just had to learn to kind of go straight at it. And, you know, I mean, Brother Harmon can tell you, I mean, I've, I've traveled for years extensively. Well, you know, there's times I'm just like a dread comes over me. I got to get on a plane and, uh, you know, I got to do this. And then I just, okay, I'm, I'm going to go do it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to let you cripple me here. I'm going to go straight at you. And I mean, you know, that, that's, that's basically one of the greatest things that I learned in dealing with fear is number one, let the word work. Whatever the enemy's telling you he's going to do means he doesn't have permission. I mean, you know, you can lay in bed at night and I mean, just your brain just kicks in and man, you're. I mean, next thing you know, you're anxious. You're anxious for tomorrow. Well, Jesus told us, don't be anxious for the moral. I'm, I'm going to take care of everything. I'm going to be there. And so you have to learn, again, not to trust your emotions and how you're feeling at the time, but you have to learn to trust the word of God. You know, I don't feel like you love me, God, but your word says that you do. Uh, I don't feel like this, but your word says something totally different. And uh, you can't let your emotions dictate to you your faith. You know, and a lot of people do. Well, I feel good, so God can do it. Well, I don't feel so good. God can't. And you just have to learn to go straight at it and not be intimidated by it. You know, the enemy can't do it. If he, if he could, he'd already done it. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to just live totally by my emotions. You know, and then I learned another thing was every day. Now, I, haven't, I don't do it like I did then. But every day when I woke up, I would say, this is the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. There's two things that will take your ability to rejoice, yesterday or tomorrow. So when I get to reflecting about yesterday or I get to thinking about tomorrow, then it can take my ability to rejoice because I'm either living in the past or I'm living in the future. If I'm in the future, the grace of God is not there yet carrying me through whatever it is I'm thinking about. But his grace is sufficient for the day. So you have to learn how, okay, today, that's all I can handle. I've only got this, so I'm going to deal with it today. This is the day that the Lord has made. He constructed this day. He knows what's in my day, and he's going to give me the grace that I need to get through this day. I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. I'm not going to reflect and get down about the past. I'm going to deal with this day. I'm going to walk by faith and not by sight. I'm not going to give in to my emotions. And that to me is the best way that I know to kind of deal with the spirit of fear. And how do I know if it's fear? It always has torment. It always brings some kind of a tormenting upheaval to that pond or that body of peace. Uh, 
that's one of the most significant ways to understand it. And, uh, you know, I just, I can't let it work. I can't let it happen. And, uh, I mean, anyway, you know, I could talk to you about, you know, open heart surgery and the fear that tried to come, you know, but I just had to get peace with God. Okay, God, you know, it's in your hands. I've trusted you to heal me. You chose for me to go down a different path. So it's in your hands. And, you know, uh, of course, when they told me that I was going in, they were just going to do the surgery through my side. They got in there and it was more complicated and I was bleeding out somewhere. So they had to open me up and now I didn't know that going into that, but I found out when I come to and uh, the guy's nurse in there was handing me a pillow saying, this is going to be your best friend for the next few days. But you know what? You just, you got to understand that God is, he's in control, not your circumstances, not what's going on, but he's in control. Now that's easier to talk about and to preach than it is to practice, you know, because false evidence is what somebody called it. And the enemy's really good at that. I'll say one more thing and then I'll stop. If you look at the story of Jacob, God, God changes Jacob's name to Israel. But when they brought that bloody coat back to him and gave him the bloody coat, he believed a lie. He said, the boys didn't say he's dead. They just showed him false evidence. And the old man assumed that his boy was dead. And so for years, he lived under the assumption because of false evidence. But when Jacob sends those, when Jacob sends those, or Joseph sends those wagons loaded down with all those goods, the Bible says that the spirit, or Jacob, that the spirit of Israel was revived. But up to that point, after the bloody coat, to that moment, the scripture refers back to him as Jacob. You're back to your old nature. And so, but buddy, once he realized I was living my life with false evidence. His spirit was revived. So that's also a part of fear is it's false evidence. It's a false emotion. It's lying to you. But if you give in to it, you'll, you'll revert back to your old fleshly nature and letting it rule and control. But when you see how good God is, your spirit ought to be revived. And so that's, that's my take on it. I'll stop. I think I've, you know, I don't want to go over my time here. So anyway. No, Bishop, take your liberty. If there's anything else you want to share, feel free. Nah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Awesome. Well, <laughs> I, don't that, get to I don't get to preaching because I don't know when to quit when I go to preaching. We, hey, I, I'd be totally fine if you started preaching. <laughs> but for those watching uh, live, uh, we are going to open it up for questions in just a few moments. So if you do have any questions, please do unmute your mic to ask your question. Um, and Bishop will be happy to answer to them to you. Um, but Bishop, thank you so much uh, for being so open to us. One of the things that since I've started life and ministry, my desire has been is to just be real, just to provide encouragement, strength, but also to talk about subjects just as you have tonight of maybe something that we don't want to discuss in public or we don't want people to know we battled with or dealt with. And somebody of your stature and nature for you to open up to us that means so much but also to show these that are watching you know that it can happen to anybody and to, that you're not alone in it and so no. i just want you to appreciate i just want you to know how much i appreciate you for opening up your heart to well me. you know what jesus told uh, simon peter when thou art converted strengthen the brethren yes 
And we go through things, but once we go through it, we need to strengthen others and help others get through it. And so I've kind of pledged that, you know, uh, some people say, I wouldn't talk about it. You know, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't open the door to it again. Well, I don't see it that way. No. You know, I think one of the things we got to do is get past this false image of ministry and everything's perfect and stuff can't get to us and all. Well, life's life. And another thing that I've learned is you can't violate the laws of nature and get by with it. And so sometimes, you know, we won't blame everything on the devil, but you know, that doctor, when I went in, he diagnosed me, this is what he said. He said, you're too young. You've gone too hard and too fast. You've not taken care of yourself. You've not rested like you should. And your body has to give somewhere. And this is where yours gave. And so, you know, now this is what I do believe is that there are some things, especially about anxiety and depression and fear that are chemical. But what I say is the enemy takes advantage of that. So, you know, because I hear people say, well, if you're going through this, it's all, it's a devil. Well, I, you know, I just know that some things start out biological or physical. If you look at Jesus in the wilderness, the devil came to him when he was weak. So the enemy is a, what's the word I'm looking for? He's a bully. So he'll see you in a moment of weakness. There'll be something that's going on, even physically or whatever. And he'll take it, try to take advantage of that. And that's usually when he tries to strike. And so, well, then it's kind of a, he attacks. And now there is spiritual activity. Uh, we've got a young girl that's coming to church right now, young lady. And, and uh, she's, you know, has some real mental bipolar issues. Well, you know, a few weeks ago, everybody's trying to cast the devil out of her. And, you know, I mean, if you watch her, yes, you know, there's definitely some spiritual activity. But the Lord really dealt with me and said, before she can be delivered, she needs to be healed. And start praying for her healing. And then if when she's healed, then she'll know how to deal with all these other things. So, you know, that that's another thing is, is uh, anyway, all right, I've said enough. <laughs> No, thank you again, Bishop, and I so much appreciate it, and uh, just, wow, such such good good stuff, stuff that we can apply, and uh, we're just so appreciative of it. For those watching live, again, if you have questions, just I would ask that you would unmute your mic and just uh, voice who you are so Bishop can address you, um, but it we would like to open it up at this time if anyone has any questions on what Bishop has talked about. Um, we'd love to uh, have you ask Bishop those questions. Would there be anyone that would ask it? A question? Give, it, give everyone a few minutes. Brother Maddox? Yes, sir. I, I don't have a question, but I, I have something that I can relate with Brother Morgan about. I had, it, it's been since about 95. I had a really bad acid trip at that time. And I had felt a fear, like I was alone, hopeless, destitute, and I was on my way to hell. That went on for months. And I went to a, it was on a Sunday, Easter Sunday morning, I went to a holiness church. And the pastor there, it was a lady pastor, never met her before in my life. 
And the Lord spoke to her in prophecy to me. He told me, he said, Thus said God, I've chosen you for your mother's name for the ministry. You shall be something great in my name, said the Lord. And if my hand came to prevent death, I was supposed to die in my mother's name at childbirth. But he told me, he said, and the fear that you have been feeling is to let you know what a lost soul feels like. But I'm going to send you to a place and get your teaching. When you get it, you'll be sent. And that fear, I, I can understand exactly what Brother Morgan was talking about, that it is a torment. I could be in a room full of people, and that fear would just rip and tear at me. Now, we would begin to talk or you know, cut up or tell jokes, and it would kind of dissipate, but then it would come back and it would just torment and torment. But God finally had delivered me after that lady had spoke that to me that day. So I, I thank Brother Morgan for all of the tools and what he had given us. And I'm, I'm going to, if it's okay with Brother Morgan, I'm going to share this with people that need it. Absolutely. You know, Brother Maddox, let me say one more thing. Yes, sir. God teaches us compassion through pain. Mm. And sometimes we wonder why we're going through these things and why there's pain in my life right now or whatever. You know, I used to make fun of people that were depressed or anxiety and all. My mother-in-law suffered with it for years. And I tell my wife, oh, she just needs to snap out of it. You know, that's just a bunch of, well, then uh, God, you know, God taught me, hey, this is a real deal. And so now when people share that with me, I have a completely different, you know, I want to see them heal. I want to see them better. I mean, I understand to a degree what they're going through. And so I just approach it from a totally different perspective. And so sometimes we're going through things, we're experiencing pain or suffering or something's going on. Why? You know, I mean, we got this false idea that we're supposed to escape all that, but no, no, uh, it's, it's a part of life. It's a part of our process, but learn compassion through it. Don't, don't get bitter at God or mad at God, but learn the compassion that he wants from you to effectively minister. I heard TD Jake say one time, that the best ministry is the ministry of scars. Just show them your scars. That's what Jesus did when they said, you know, he disappeared, showed them his scars. And so, you know, this good brother that was on here a while ago was saying what he did, he has scars and he can effectively minister to people because the scars, hey, there was a wound here, but it's healed. And so the same process that caused me to be healed can also help you to be healed. Amen. And then so many times that we, we think, you know, when we go through something, it's for us. But who, who knows? Who's to think? You know, it could be something. You, know, you could be going through it. We got compassion through, through, through circumstance, compassion through fear. It's just incredible. Anyone else? Again, unmute your mic if you have a question. Hello. This is uh, Sister Roberts from Maryland. Yes. Um, Kind of spinning off of what Bishop just said about uh, Ministry of Scars. Um, we've been through a very, very painful situations in our life, but am, are at the point of wholeness after God taking us on a journey. But 
one thing the Lord showed me in the verse that says, is there no balm in Gilead? When you look at what Gilead means, it means heap of testimony. So in other words, the balm comes when we share our testimony. That's where it comes from. That's it. That's tremendous. Uh, Brother Harmon will probably remember this. I, I know he will. But uh, we was on a Saturday night prayer, and there was a woman that came in. Her name was Linda Salyer. Linda was a project. I mean, she was she's quite the project and just demon-possessed, just messed up, known in town, drug dealer, sold her daughter into prostitution to support her drug habit. I mean, just a just a case. So she shows up on a Saturday night, we're praying, and they brought her down to the front, and I prayed for her. Might as well have been, you know, praying for a rock. So I just went off to the office to study for Sunday morning. And I got to get my Bible study and my sermon ready. When I got in my office, the Lord thundered. Is there no bomb in Gilead? Is there not a physician in this house? And so when I went back out, he said, you go back out there and pray for her again. Now, when I went back out there, I reckon the spirit world recognized that something had changed. And buddy, them spirits went to crying out of her. But I, I agree with what she said. I mean. If there's no healing coming from a place where there has been healing, then where's it going to come from? And our churches have to learn this. So I, I appreciate you telling me what Gilead means. So if you ever hear me preach about that, I probably won't give you credit. <laughs> hey, Bishop. Hey, Bishop. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share one more thing real quick with you. Um, so leprosy is not a flesh-eating disease. All right. Um, God had spoke to me in early 2016 and said, my body must be healed before the missing members can return. Mm. And he brought to my mind the 10 lepers. And now if he would have spoke to them, missing body parts return. But the leprosy was never dealt with the body parts would have fallen off again because so I, when I got home from that conference where God spoke that to me, I began researching leprosy caused by one bacteria. If you have an opening in you and then that you come in contact and that bacteria gets in the opening, it goes and the thing it does first, it begins to deaden your nerves. It begins to affect your vision. So your nerves and your vision, I'm telling you what, and then you can walk across sharp stones or bump into something. You can lose toes. You can lose body parts. And so my husband and I were ministering at a church and we knew the pastor and, and he was cool with this. Uh, my husband let me testify before I sang. And, and, and I know this guy's really into the Hebrew. And I looked at him and I said, Pat, now if your pastor says something different, I'm wrong. But I said, leprosy is like bitterness. Mm. That's what leprosy is like. And uh, he said, you are exactly right. And I mean, I don't know. I'm not saying I'm whatever. But God revealed to me that because there's so much hurt 
in the church and people are full of bitterness. And that's why the backsliders are not coming back in droves because they would be reinfected by the bitterness that's in the church. Wow. Anyway, I'm going to show you. <laughs> that's tremendous. That's very good. Anyone else have a question? I'd like to share uh, yeah. just a little something someone shared with me several years ago. And one of the greatest lessons Brother Morgan taught me was the, was the, uh, uh, the importance of balance in life. But he got to talking about uh, a moment ago about not taking time for the Sabbath and taking time for rest. And one of the verses in Psalm 23, the Bible says that he maketh me to lie down a green pastures. Sometimes if we will not take advantage of the moment of rest, God will make us lay down. It could be in a hospital bed, mm. but if we don't take time for rest and let our body recuperate and our mind recuperate, uh, he can make us do that. Exactly right. Good stuff, Pastor Harmon. You did learn something, Brother Harmon. <laughs> I have been blessed to be around some great <laughs> men, and you are absolutely included in that number. I knew when she got to about the bomb of Gilead, I knew what was coming. Yes, sir. I remember that. <laughs> uh, yes, sir. Anyone else have a question? I do, Brother Maddox. Yeah, Sister Robinson, so good to have you. So grateful to be here. Um, just want to say thank you so much, Bishop Morgan, for your time. Uh, you are well-respected throughout the organization, and we appreciate your voice as an elder. In your experience with fear, um, have you, besides developing a deeper sense of compassion and understanding, what else has God allowed you to learn and glean from this experience? And then how long have you been in this? Um, have you been completely delivered from it or are you still walking through this place? Uh, I'll answer the latter part of it. Uh, this has been, it's a tw this is 22 years now. Mm. And so uh, it still surfaces every now and then. I've learned how to navigate through it. Uh, I've learned how to say, okay, this is here, but in a few days, I'll get past it. I'll be okay. I'm not going to lose my mind here. I mean, some may argue that. <laughs> but, you know, I, I've had to learn how to deal with that. Now, at 14 years, it something changed. I started really coming out of it, getting a good handle on it. And, uh, you know, they say once you've been diagnosed with some of this stuff, you'll always deal with it the rest of your life. But you know what you have to learn to do? Number one is God can completely deliver you from it. You know, one of the things that we, and, and I've preached this recently some, uh, at Alexander, somewhere, is we're real, we're real strong on stripes on his back for the healing of our bodies, the wound in his side for the redemption of our spirit. There was also a crown of thorns pressed upon his brow. And I titled the message, The Forgotten Message of Calvary, meaning that he wants to purify and heal our minds. And so I think the church has to remember that, that God can heal and God can purify our minds. 
I also use this illustration that Jesus was crucified at the place of the skull. Our real battles between our ears. That's the real battlefield. So uh, going to your original first question is, uh, when Sister Chanel called and told me you're fixing to go through a time of darkness, she said, you need to study darkness and let the Lord show you something. So I did. And so I was kind of shocked to read over there, Job, and there's another place in the scripture says that God envelops or shrouds himself in a thick cloud of darkness. And so when God came down on the mountain, you know, the people went to Moses and said, you know, we want God to speak to us. Why does he have to speak to you? And Moses said, I would to God, all of you were prophets. It'd make my job a whole lot easier. So Moses talked to God. God said, tell him, sanctify, go on three-day fast, and on three days I'll come down. And he did. He come down in a thick cloud of darkness. The people said when he spoke, it was confusing and sounded like shrill trumpets. So they retreated back to their tents and kind of hid Moses didn't. Moses starts up that mountain in that darkness. And when he got to the top of the mountain, it was there that there was light and revelation. And God gave him some tremendous things on the top of that mountain. So one of the things that God spoke to Moses was, I didn't want the people to break up on me and gaze lest they perish. And one translation says, I'm not interested in just a curiosity seeker. So I think sometimes for us to understand the value of what God's going to give us and the appreciation of it, we have to go through the darkness to get to the light. I've always called that the balance of revelation. Uh, you know, if God's going to show you he's a healer, sickness comes first. If God's going to show you he's a provider, then need has to come first. If God's going to show you light then darkness has to come first. And so God began to deal with me that day when he's shown all that to me is, look, you'll go through these things. You know, here's one thing that uh, we forget is Paul said, uh, there was given to me an, a thorn in the flesh. He said, three times I pray for God to remove it. But God finally spoke and said, I've given this to you, lest you become exalted above measure by your revelation." And so a lot of times when God's really going to reveal or give us some really profound or costly things, we have to pay a price for it. Now, that's the reason why a lot of people say, forget it. I'm going back to my tent. I'm going back over here where I have peace and security. This stuff's crazy. You know, I, I, I don't want this. And so, you know, you can give people things, but if they don't know, the, if it didn't cost them something. And here's one of the things that I really warn people about. Uh, number one is gift ministries. Did it cost you something? Because if it didn't cost you something, you don't know the value of it. You'll abuse it. You'll use it for the wrong reasons. But brother, if you had to go through something to get this, then you protect it, number one. And with me, I thank God for everything that God's ever revealed to me, he's ever shown me. Uh, you know, I say God blesses in spite of me. But, you know, when I get the little, you know, maybe feeling a little arrogant or like, man, God's really, all God has to do is just let me hear the word darkness. And, brother, it reminds me and it brings me back to reality. And, uh, you know, I don't want to be exalted. 
So all of us, if God gives us revelation or gives us these things, then there will be a thorn in the flesh that comes or a situation that has to come to keep you balanced. Brother Harmon said a while ago, and uh, the psalmist said, my feet stand in an even place. First thing they taught you about military conflict was your feet have got to be level. If they're not, you're more easily to be knocked over. Keep your feet level. Keep them balanced. And so I think it's very important for us to learn to stay balanced. Thank, you know, thank God for all the spiritual stuff. Thank God for all the wonderful things. But balance it out and understand there's some things that come into your life to balance it out. And another thing I tell people is don't be afraid to laugh. You know, I watch some of our people, man, they're some of the saddest down in the dumps. And, uh, you know, laughter is like a good medicine. And so don't be afraid to laugh and let your guard down a little bit and uh, enjoy life to a degree. Uh, it's a medicine. It's a medicine. So, yes, we have to pay the price sometimes. And that's one of the things I had to learn. Again, I thank God for every way he's used me. I really do. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm from the cotton fields of Southeast Missouri. And so my grandpa and them were sharecroppers. My dad dropped out of high school or dropped out of the seventh grade to take care of the farm because my grandpa was crippled for a year in a train wreck, train accident. So, you know, I know where God brought me from. I know my past and all. And so I'm thankful for everything God has done. I'm a very blessed man. But I can tell you that some of this stuff that I share and all, it costs, but it's worth it. If I can help somebody else or God can show me something, then it's it's worth whatever the cost is. It's worth it. That's incredible. Thank you, Bishop, again. And we're so appreciative of, of what you just said. Uh, before I uh, we wrap up and give Bishop uh, one more opportunity to share anything, uh, final remarks, and I'm going to ask him to pray over us. Does anyone have maybe one question before we wrap up? Well, Bishop, if you would, if you would just sh share anything that might you, you might still have, and then if you would just pray over all of us, but don't leave um, those that are on live because I, I want to announce who our next month's speaker is. But Bishop, share whatever's left on your heart, and then go ahead and pray over us. Well, I just want to, you know, fears fear can be a it's a real thing if we allow it to be. It's kind of like witchcraft. I say witchcraft can't hurt you. It can make you hurt yourself. So we empower a lot of this stuff when we believe in it, we give to it. So, but you know what? Don't, if you're battling these things and, you know, don't be embarrassed about it. I mean, the hour we live in, one of the prevailing spirits that's warring against the church right now is the spirit of fear. The economy, world situation, looks like we're staring the mark of the beast right in the face. There's just a lot of things going on. But, you know, we, we just, you know, it's real. It's out there. I mean, the world's dealing with it. But you know what? Uh, we have a hope. We've got a comforter. And so that's what we lean on. And likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities. So one of the best ways for Dealing with infirmities, whatever it is, that's human frailties, is learning to pray in the spirit. I mean, that's the, that's one of the most powerful verses I know in the entire Bible. Likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for when we know not what we should pray for as we ought, 
the spirit itself maketh intercession with groanings that cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the mind of the spirit knoweth what is the will of God. So sometimes in prayer, I don't even know what to pray for. You know, I'm, I have a limited faith. I have a limited vision. You know, I just, I, but buddy, when the great intercessor goes to praying through you, he prays in perfect righteousness, perfect faith, perfect understanding. So I would encourage all of us to learn to enter into that place and just let the spirit work. It helpeth. And God wants to help all of us. That's his nature. And so that's what I'll pray that over everybody. If that's all right. Please do. Jesus, I come to you right now. I don't know anybody on here that what they're dealing with, but you do. And we have a high priest that is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. You're touched with what we're going through. The enemy sometimes will try to lie to us and tell us that you don't care. You're, you're removed from it. You're disattached from it. But that's another one of his lies. You are touched with the feeling of our infirmities. So whatever it is that these good people are dealing with or struggling with, I know that you're touched with it. And not only are you touched with it, but we can now come boldly to the throne of grace in this time of need and approach you. And you want to help us. So I pray right now for the Holy Ghost to help every man, woman on this call. I ask you even now to let the comforter come, the paracletios come, and uplift and strengthen and encourage today. God, we all battle with these mental things and all the, the world of what if, but let us be reminded that you are eternal and you are already in our tomorrows. And let us live with that peace that comes with that understanding. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for your body. I thank you for every person in my life that is called with the word of encouragement. Because to me, God, that's a part of grace. Is that gift that you give and sometimes it's just a phone call or a word of encouragement. So I speak encouragement to all that's on here. I thank you for what our host is doing, this ministry that he feels a burden for. Let him be encouraged to pursue on. I thank you for it. I pray over all these good people that your blessing and let your favor rest upon them. Those that are being tormented, I pray that peace of mind would come. I speak these things in the name of Jesus, in Jesus' name. Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Yeah. Well, amen. Bishop Morgan, thank you so much for joining us tonight. You're welcome to stay on just for a few more moments if you'd like. We're just going to have some brief remarks. Um, but I'm so sure. thankful for your ministry and just so thankful that for what you've spoken to us. And I pray God's greatest blessings be upon you and uh, the church there. And just so thankful for your impact upon our, on the kingdom of God. But to those watching tonight and to, to joining us tonight live, I'm so thankful for you. Thank you so much for taking time. I know it takes time. I know it takes sacrifice. Many of you have already reached out saying it's going to be a struggle to join. But it, you joined and we're so thankful for you. And I just pray that this episode has been a blessing to you. And we're so thankful for you. But I wanted to let you know that June 1st, June 1st, it's, uh, I, believe it's, I believe it's a Thursday night, um, but it's June 1st, 7 o'clock Central Standard Time. We're going to have none other than Bishop David K. Bernard joining us here on Life and Ministry Live. And uh, I'm so thankful that he has been so gracious to join us. It took us a minute to, to get a date set, um, but we're so thankful that he's been so kind to join us. And so I encourage you, those that are watching, 
um, please uh, let me know. Send us an email um, again to join that call. But June 1st, 7 o'clock Central Standard Time, Bishop David K. Bernard will be with us. And so we're so thankful uh, for that. And we're looking forward to having you back on with us. And uh, Bishop Morgan, again, I see you still with us. Thank you again. And uh, we're just so appreciative of you being with us. But to those watching after the, this uh, live call, we're so thankful for you watching. And if you would um, like us to have a certain speaker or a, a subject or even questions on life and ministry, please uh, send us an email to lifeandministry777 at gmail.com or send us a direct message on our Life and Ministry Facebook page. Thank you so much for watching. We pray you all have a great day.